Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, everyone, to episode 275 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we are going to talk about one notable suspension that, unfortunately, is going to affect a team that we both love very much. Uh, also, which teams should be concerned about their slow starts to the season? Before we get into that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. I've been I've been rookie browsing on Basketball Reference. Uh, that's a page that I just that's my go-to during the season for stats. Mm-hmm. I, I love to just browse Basketball Reference. I even did a Danish article recently about statistical uh, anomalies in the early parts of the season because you have so many really screwed up numbers. Like James Harden is shooting 25% from three, 38% from the field, yet his raw scoring average is higher than last year's because he's averaging 16 free throw attempts per game. Like everything is just messed up. Yeah. And I was rookie browsing because, you know, Knicks fans are getting in on the RJ Barrett hype train, which that's that's fair. I mean, RJ Barrett is an intriguing asset and an intriguing prospect uh, and all that jazz. However, uh, some of those Knicks fans got a little frisky, and I decided to look up some numbers because they were like, "Hey, RJ Barrett should be the front runner of Rookie of the Year." I was like, "Okay, let's let's see what he has uh, has on his on himself, like statistically." And I compared him to John ja Morant. Now, granted, RJ Barrett has played one more game, but I found this number interesting. So, RJ Barrett has scored eleven more points than John ja Morant. In 92 more minutes, and it's taking him 25 more shots. Hmm. That doesn't seem all that great, Brian. <laughs> no. You know what? You just got to give Knicks fans like that little dangle of hope because they really don't have much going for them right now. That is true. I'm just kind of wondering, like, what is up with inconsistent raw numbers wing, Canadian wings? <laughs> Well, one plays for the Timberwolves and the other plays for the Knicks. So when they go to actual good franchises, they'll still be inconsistent Canadian wings. Probably, probably. Yeah. And I hate to—I I don't mean to lump the Timberwolves in with the Knicks. The Knicks are their their own brand of disaster. And we're when we get to—we're going to hit the suspension first. But when we get to teams that should be concerned about their slow starts, we will mention the Knicks in one sentence, 
and then we'll move on because this was so obviously coming that we're not going to devote a lot of time to them. Right. I have one sentence for you. Did you know that R.J. Barrett's nickname, apparently, because I didn't know this, is Ducky? No, I did not know that. I I just thought we needed to put that out there. I, I thought it was going to be Maple Jordan 2.0. No, Ma- Maple Mamba, apparently, as well. Oh, no. That's even worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. God. All right. Wait, let's get John Collins is the big news from the last couple days. The second notable name or third if you want to throw Wilson Chandler into the mix, but second big name player to be suspended 25 games for violating the terms of the the league's anti-drug program. He tested positive for growth hormone releasing peptide 2, the league said. Uh, he, like every athlete who has ever tested positive for some sort of supplement that you know, is in violation of the anti-drug policy. He said he took something that he didn't know contained whatever. I'm not going to speculate whether he did or did not know what he was taking. Regardless, he's suspended 25 games. He's going to appeal. He's probably going to lose. So he is out likely until uh, late December. So so who's next is my, pro- is my <laughs> question here. That's a fair question. You know, I saw Anthony Irwin, uh, a friend of the podcast, a Lakers fan, after that news broke yesterday, he tweeted something like, "Uh uh-oh, the league is cracking down on PEDs. A 35-year-old is having one of the, like, most unprecedented resurgences (laughs) we've ever seen. Uh... Yep. Yep. I think it's a good thing Dwayne Wade is out of the league now. (laughs) Yeah. So... We saw, I mean, the good news for the Hawks is that Trey Young, who suffered that ankle sprain the other week, came back last night and led the Hawks to a victory over the San Antonio Spurs. I would also like to offer my condolences to LaMarcus Aldridge's family because that yeah. move that Trey put on in him at the end of the game was just, like, LaMarcus can't be on the internet for a week. That's no. just... That's just the rule. So that was nasty. That was oh, nasty. Poor, poor Lamarcus. I I enjoyed his career very much. And yeah, I think that was such a such a heavy loss for his family. So my condolences right. to the Aldridge right. family. Yep. Yeah, you can send your fruit baskets to the San Antonio Spurs practice facility where they'll yep. be sitting shiva for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> but more, I mean, what do you think this means for the Hawks? You know, being without Collins now for twenty four more games, they. They play the Chicago Bulls tonight, they so do. that should be a win. But you know yes. they've got a tough five-game road trip coming up against Portland, Denver, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers. Then they come home against Milwaukee. They have another game against Milwaukee on this schedule at the end of the month. So they, they have a pretty tough slate coming up. Do you think Trey Young can carry them through uh, John Collins' absence? I think more than anything, this is going to be some sort of an experiment, really, because you saw how the Suns changed their offense without DeAndre Aiden, and they're playing more freely. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is two pivot men, if you, I'm going to use an old, uh, old-timey old expression here, who are, who are suspended for 25 games, like Aiden and John Collins. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of debate within the league and for fans and bloggers and all that that the traditional four-man and the traditional five-man – you know that those positions aren't really advancing franchises anymore. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see if Atlanta is almost 
like freed up due to the to the loss of Collins. If there's any truth to this idea of maybe playing, you know, guys who would be automatically full time small forwards ten to twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I know that Jabari Parker uh is going to start at the four. Yep. Uh, for for them over the next couple of of games at least uh, until he completely washes himself out because it's Jabari Parker. Hey, Jabari's uh, been good this year. He's been good this year so far. I'm yeah. not entirely optimistic. It's gonna. I, I hope he. I hope he'll have me eat my words. Yeah. I'll say this much. I always hope he'll have me eat my words. Uh, I just don't have all that confidence in Parker, especially defensively. Sure. Having said that, he came into the league as well with this idea of him being a small forward, and it was like, no, no, he's he's more or less a four, right? But not in the old timey back to the basket mentality way, right? I have a feeling that DeAndre Hunter is going to play a lot of four over the next twenty twenty five games, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be interesting to see if Atlanta plays more freely without Collins because it seems like when you have a big man who needs to be set up consistently. That just takes a toll on your offense. And I'm not trying to say that John Collins is not a great player. I freaking love John Collins. Right. I mean, as a basketball he's so much fun to watch. I, yeah. I, I, This is no slight against him, but it's just like conceptually there is this idea out there that not having a, a dominant big man, so to speak, um, can actually free up a team. So, so far with the Suns, they've done pretty well without Aiden. And mm-hmm. now we're going to see if the same thing holds true for the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, I think with both the Suns and the Hawks, you could argue, you know, the Suns were tinkering with the idea of, like, playing Aiton at the four alongside Aaron Baines, and the Hawks have been playing John Collins alongside Alex Len. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that Aiton and Collins ultimately to be maximized would both be better off playing the five, not with another traditional big. Now, Aiton in particular, you worry about the defense a little bit. I mean, he was showing strides on that end last year and even into this year. And the Suns' defense in general is vastly improved this year compared to years past. Right. Collins, I mean, he's a good shot blocker. He's averaging two blocks again and one steal a game in the five games he played. So... You know, I think you're right that it might lead them. You know, Jabari, I think you're right, is going to play, you know, as a de facto small ball four on offense. And I, I think you're right that DeAndre Hunter is probably going to get more of those assignments defensively. Like, I think those two guys are just going to be interchangeable on either end of the court effectively. Mm. Parker had, like, I, I'm serious. He's been good this year. Like, I, I'm not being facetious here. I know Jabari Parker has looked good, and I, I you're right. I mean, we've seen times where he starts off hot and then kind of fades away. I think you know you said it well. He's he should be playing the four now. Like the Chicago Bulls were one of the few teams that thought otherwise, and we saw how quickly that experiment blew up. So we know and everyone that, saw it coming. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Everyone. Yeah, right, exactly. So like we know the best way for him to be utilized. And now he's going to get a 25-game uh, audition to prove it. And, you know, so far, he played last night against the Spurs, had 19 points, 8 rebounds. I think he shot 9 of 14 from the field, including 0 for 3 from 3. So, you know, 9 of 11 from two-point range is pretty damn good for a guy uh, Absolutely. making a spot start in place of John Collins. So, ultimately, like, I, it, this comes down to Trey Young. Right, I mean, like, he might just be so damn good 
that the Hawks will be fine. I think that's very reasonable. I yeah. mean, look, he's already a pick-and-roll savant at the age of 21. Right. And in today's league, it's ball handlers and like point-of-attack players who are... The, the the guys who make a difference. I I I even wrote an article like way back when I started at Forbes about Anthony Davis and basically saying there's a, there's a ceiling to what he can do single handedly because he's not a guy who has the ball in his hands like dribbling it up the court and making decisions necessarily. He is mm-hmm. still a a someone who benefits from passes from other players. And like when when you're a decision maker and you're a damn good one like Trey Young you are going to have a significant impact on a game, regardless of that being positive or negative, because you can miss a bunch of shots and you can have a bunch of turnovers and that's going to sway it. But if you are a very sound ball handler who understands the flow of the game and the offense, it's, it's again, it's the old school quarterback idea, right? I mean, right. A, a great quarterback can overcome a pretty pedestrian team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would argue the Hawks should be 4-2 and two right now. Like, they should have beaten Philly. Philly had no business winning that game. They did. They, you know, they they lost the bet, the two uh, home and home against Miami because Trey Young missed both games. So it's right. hard to say. I mean, like, had Trey Young not gotten hurt in that Miami game, there's a non-zero chance that this team would be four and two or five and one as is. You know, they're really good, and they like they have this brutal stretch coming up. I mean, they get Chicago tonight, Sacramento on Friday. They have the five-game road trip, and then Milwaukee. Then their schedule starts to soften up a little bit. You've got at Detroit versus Toronto versus Minnesota. Another three-game road trip, Milwaukee, Indiana, Houston. But then you get the Zombie Warriors, the Nets, at Charlotte, at Miami, at Chicago versus Indiana. Who knows if Victor Oladipo is going to be back by then. So they'll have a chance. I mean, even if they get their brains beaten in on this five-game road trip, which I think is probably more likely than not, especially the the two L.A. games are back-to-back. On a weekend, yeah. which is never, never a good sign. Um, luckily, like half of their locker room is too young to legally drink anyway, so it might actually work out well for them. Uh, it, I mean, I, I think if nothing else, this is going to like artificially deflate their win total a little bit. Like, I, I think they are a better team than most of the other teams in the race for the eight seed in the East right now, but. Because they're, I mean, Collins is their second best player, so it's you know they're they're probably going to lose a few more games than they would have otherwise. Um, but if nothing else, that just means like teams might sleep on them heading into you know once he returns, heading into their January stretch where you know they they've got some winnable games at the end of the month: Cleveland, Chicago, Orlando. Yeah. So I think like ultimately they're going to be fine. It just it's a bummer because. You know, this whole season for Atlanta comes down to, like, let's develop our young core more. Let's, like, see how much Trey can expand his game. Let's continue developing his pick-and-roll chemistry, especially with John Collins. Let's see what these other guys can do. And, like, the you know, Jabari, Cam Reddish, some of their other young guys are going to get an expanded opportunity, which is great. I mean, that's the silver lining if you're looking at it from Atlanta. But this does not do them any favors in terms of, you know, in the saddest race for the eight seed ever, this this hurts their chances of getting there. Right, and this, again, this is where I go back to you know not having Collins there in terms of you know him being needed to sit up. Maybe this is where having those guys like Cam Reddish 
and DeAndre Hunter, who, like you mentioned, just the learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like, they are going to have the ball in their hands a lot more because the ball just isn't going to find its way to John Collins because he's not there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, right now, Cam Reddish is shooting 19% from three, 26.5% from the field overall, taking just 8.2 shots a game. Like, maybe that role increases a little bit. Maybe there is going to be a little bit more leeway with him saying, okay, over the next, you know, 10 games or so, we're going to make a concerned effort or concerted effort to to get you involved, to to make sure that you're part of the offense. We're uh, going to draw up some type of plays for you, like, early in the game to see if you can establish and find a rhythm. Like, there is a silver lining to having a big minutes guy and a big shot taker guy out for an extended period of time, simply by allowing other players to step in. Like John Collins is yeah. not going to regress as a player while he's out. Right. So he, right. when he comes back, you're going to get an, an automatic talent fusion. But the hope is that when he comes back, like that Collins will return to a roster that's significantly improved because of his absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's go from one Collins to another more. Zach Collins of the Portland Trail Blazers hurt his shoulder early in the season, dislocated it, you know, went to get an MRI. They were kind of quiet about the results for a few days. I think they were probably consulting some specialists to see what the best course of recovery is. He ultimately underwent surgery and is going to be out for at least four months, which means he is probably not coming back until March at the earliest. Correct. We still don't know about Yusuf Nurkic's timeline, but he is also out, you know, indefinitely at this point, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, you probably can't reasonably expect to see him until sometime in 2020 at the earliest, I, I, I would assume. So the Portland Trailblazers, I mean, that was the front court was already a concern for them with Nurkic out. They have Hassan Whiteside still, but otherwise you're already looking at like Anthony Tolliver, Pau Gasol, who is also out right now, Scala Bissieri. It's not looking good in terms of, you know, reliable front court depth for them. The trade. I will say Scal has been okay in in very limited minutes, admittedly. But I mean, yeah, yeah, that they're going to need. I mean, they they have no choice but to play him because they're just so thin otherwise. Or I mean, they could really downsize and put like Nasir Little at the four, I guess. But you know, he's six five two twenty. It's it's not a. I guess Hazonia and Hood can move up a little bit. They're both six eight, but yeah. Either way, I mean. You know, that was a clear area that Philly played them the other night. Like, I think it was 
84 to 40 or something like that in terms of the mm-hmm. margin of points in the paint. Like teams are going to relentlessly attack Portland inside and there's probably no reprieve coming externally at least until December 15th, which is when free agents who sign the summer can be traded. So this is a good way to kick off the teams that should be worried or, or should these teams be worried about their start because Portland, who, you know, they made the Western Conference Finals last year, had high hopes this season, overhauled their supporting cast, but, you know, started the season well. They were uh, they were up 21 against Philly the other night before losing in that Furkan Korkmaz amazing three-pointer. And then two nights later... Do you still want to get rid of uh, Furkan? No, I I, t- I deleted every bad tweet I've ever said about Furkan. You deleted 2,500 tweets? No, I actually did not delete any tweets, but I should because I do have a lot slandering Furkan that I regret immensely. I told you he was time. good, though. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I want partial credit for this one. I told I kept telling you for well over a year, keep the faith. He's still, I mean, he's still really streaky, and I don't buy it. Like, he was... He scored a lot Monday, but he gave back a lot as well. So, like, I don't want Let him. Let me in have an, this. Yeah, I don't want this. him in an expanded role. But if he could continue hitting threes, corner threes, great. That's awesome. Anyway, Portland, two nights after the Philly game, goes to Golden State. The Zombie Warriors, without Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, any of their All Stars, and loses one twenty-seven to one eighteen. How worried should Portland be? in the wake of Collins' injury moving forward? I think they should be worried, especially because of the lack of, of you know, size around the rim without acknowledging Whiteside because there's just not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Just, just an aside, why do we keep it the call it the zombie warriors? Like, theoretically, in movies and video games, zombies are significantly stronger than average people. Well, like, they they're... get a power boost. <laughs> so when we call it zombie warriors, we're actually saying... That this team is significantly stronger than the one before. I mean, like the Walking Dead zombies aren't strong; they're kind of like slow and dumb. But then, like you could outsmart them very easily. But then they come back and kill you in the end, which is what happened to Portland the other night. That's a fair analogy. I'll take it. No, but I would I would be slightly concerned. I'm not I'm not there yet with Portland because I have so much uh, belief in in both Dame and CJ. Yeah. Honestly, um, yeah. the, the, I, and and the culture. Honestly, again, that's that's such an underrated part of a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone uh, comes in like Hassan Whiteside, a guy who has been maligned for what five years, uh, comes in and is welcomed and like, yeah, you you have a role here. We're gonna take you under our wings. So we're gonna do all that. And right, it's, it seems like that's been working, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. far, I don't I don't recall having read anything. Uh yeah, I mean Maybe. I know Portland fans have already started to turn on him, but oh yeah, well just well okay, but I mean in, at least internally I haven't read about any locker room issues. No, 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 I don't. He's not like moping on the bench like he did in Miami. Nothing like that. Exactly, and yeah. and I think just having that level of culture and the accountability and the trust in between all that, I think that is going to lead to significantly more wins. I'm mm-hmm. not really concerned that they have four early losses in the season. It's not great. They should have won the Philly game. They should definitely have won the Golden State game. Yeah. And in a Western Conference, this is not a great start. They're playing the Clippers tomorrow night. I'm not sure if Kawhi is being load managed. Uh, um, I believe, No, he is missing the Milwaukee game tonight, so he can play in the so Portland he'll play. game tomorrow. Okay, so yeah. that's that's probably a loss, too. Right. 
Um, but then, I mean, again, then they have some easy parts of the schedule. They'll catch things up. Like, Dame will probably hit the 50-pointer at some point. Yeah. CJ will follow that up with a couple 40-pointers. I mean, I'm not too worried. Like, talk to me again by December 1st. Mm-hmm. And if they're, like, right at 500 or a little bit below, then I'll start hitting the panic button. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is the teams that they're going up against in this, at least, you know, for the next couple weeks none of them have truly physically imposing front courts that i'm looking at i mean clippers are not going to play through their bigs brooklyn is not going to play through their bigs you know they play through their guards atlanta with john collins out is not going to play through alex len sacramento marvin bagley's out toronto you're not going to play through marcus all you know go on down the list it's the same thing for most of the teams they're playing so to that well, extent, then you hit and then you hit the bucks yeah, well, and then, yeah. <laughs> right. Then, then they're that's just going to be an L, probably. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I'm also not totally panicked about the Blazers just because Dame has been phenomenal to start the season, like <laughs> 31 points a game, and just I mean, he is pulling from 30 feet, and you have no question. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just absolutely murdered. The Sixers. I mean, they they could not come up with a defense to stop him, and they have good defenders. You know, they have Josh Richardson and Matisse Thybulle now, and it, nothing. It did not matter at all. CJ has been a little cold to start the year. Only forty percent from the field, thirty-seven from three. He's got to step it up, especially. I mean, like it, this needs to be the Dame and CJ co-starring Rodney Hood show for the yep. next couple months. I mean. You, you'll want more out of Anthony Simons, too. You know, he hit the big go-ahead three against Philly, but averaging 9.6 points and only 16.9 minutes a game, I, I would expect they're just going to have to lean into these, like, three- and four-guard lineups as, you know, not <laughs> ideal as that sounds. It's going to be, like, Dame, CJ, Hood, probably Hizonia, and Whiteside, and then you're going to get more Simons and Kent Bazemore off the bench just because, like, Tolliver is washed, man. He's not. I mean, maybe it gets better, but I know. I I love Anthony Tolliver though, like just on a personal level. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate admitting admitting this, but you're right. He's twenty five percent from the field, twenty six from three, and he's just he doesn't look like he's getting the same lift on his jumper that he yeah. used to. And defensively, he's just oh he, yeah, it's yeah. not it's no. not a good situation. So, I mean, I think it is a concern, and I think the the Blazers will have to address it, you know, ahead of the trade deadline. If, you know, hopefully Collins will be back. Hopefully no complications. He'll be back ahead of the playoffs. So, like, you know, they might have a healthy Nurkic-Collins-Whiteside front court come mid-April, and this is all for naught. But they have to get to the playoffs in the West, which is not easy. So... I think they do need to address it somehow. I think they're going to be a, a popular team in trade rumors because they have some tradable contracts, particularly Kent Bazemore. Um, that just sucks, man. It's like what a what a crappy way to follow a season after mm. you know your Western Conference Finals run. It, it so sucks if a guy's if a guy's on a two way contract on another team, you can you can sign him to a uniform contract if you're a, a different team, right? Um, I'm not 100% sure. 
Why, who are or you maybe the, maybe the incumbent team gets right of first refusal. Yeah, I don't know the rules offhand, but who, All who right, are you thinking? But my plan here is Ivan Rab. Oh. oh the Knicks, the Knicks have him on a two, yeah. two-way yeah. deal. Yeah. Or a two-way contract. Right. Like, Rab is, in my perspective, one of, you know, a, an underrated player. Uh-huh. I mean, he's got great size. He's got some bounce. He's only 22. He's productive when he's on the court. Uh, he's not a floor stretcher. But but there is something to him, and I think he's got the potential as a shooter. I mean, he's shooting seventy four percent from the foul line over his career, so there's something to build on there. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a great shot blocker, and I realize defensively there there are some concerns. But he's productive, and he's six yeah. ten, bouncy. Like it should be a cheap alternative for a guy to come in and and do some damage. Yeah, they. I mean, they just need a, another body in there to. I don't even think you need much Ivan Rapp offense. has a body. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's helpful. I, I, but I think it's like, I wouldn't even... You've got Hassan Whiteside in there, so the shot blocking is there. You just need someone to grab rebounds and play good defense. And I think, like, set hard screens. If you can do that, that's fine. It's like, I just don't think Anthony Tolliver could do those things anymore. Agreed. Since we brought up the, Warrior, or the, the Warriors with the conjunction to the Blazers, we talked about them last episode, so we're not going to go too deep into them, but... Now we have a timeline. Steph Curry's out three months. Draymond Green has a torn ligament in his finger. He's out for a couple games. D'Angelo Russell has a sprained ankle. He missed the last two games. He's out tonight as well. So last episode, we said they don't necessarily need to tank. You know, depending on what happens with Curry, they might unintentionally do it anyway. At, At this point, I think Warriors fans have accepted that this is just the last year, right? Like we, And that's fine. They need to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's okay, though. It's like you you made five straight finals. Like, just take it easy on your guys. Like, that's – it's okay. You know, we, you'll get a couple of fun wins like you did against Portland the other night where mm. some of these – you know, uh, the good thing, much like with Atlanta and John Collins, is injuries create opportunities for other players to step up and actually have a bigger role. And all of a sudden, like – Eric Pascal had, I think, 32 against Portland in an upset win. Kai Bowman. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Kai Bowman over the last two is averaging 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 6 assists, only 2.5 turnovers, shooting 60% from the field as a point guard. I think, ultimately, he, you know, you and I have talked about this so many times before. Like, when you are a team like Golden State, at least back in the day when they had, you know, Durand and, and all those stars, like, they were so top-heavy. There weren't there were just wasn't all that much depth. And now we were talking about, you know, teams switching over to being, like, uh, you know, a two-star teams and, and prioritizing depth and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, the Warriors just never found the the upcoming role players that could take over when when the when the Golden Years were, were done, more mm-hmm. or less. Now they finally have, you know, a chance, even though that chance comes off very frustrating losses in Curry and, and you know, Durant to the Nets and, and Clay to the ACL tear. They mm-hmm. have an opportunity now to give a lot of guys a lot of minutes. And and hopefully, much like the John Collins things, like, you know, when, when those guys return from injuries like Steph and Clay, like, they're going to be joined in on a roster that is significantly better because they've gotten reps in their absence. Yeah, um, Eric Pascal, like you mentioned, has he's been great. He's an undersized power forward slash big small forward. Like he's, 
and he just gets buckets. Like I think he's shooting sixty percent from the field or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been doing well again. Kai Bowman as well. Jordan Poole is getting in on the action. There, there are guys there that kind of need this opportunity to actually to figure out if they're NBA players. Let's be honest. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's the only way you figure it out, and that's that's by giving them minutes. And now the Warriors are forced to it. And I, I would just have this philosophy going into this year. Just screw the wins. Like now, yeah. Steph is out, Clay is out, you know, Dre is out, KD is with the Nets. Like just this this year doesn't matter. And if you by some chance res- that results in a high draft pick, you just smile and right. say thank you. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's like an intentional tank at this point. It's just like they oh, no. literally all of their top players got hurt in the first two weeks of the season, and it is what it is. Now you just make do and maybe you'll steal some wins when you have no business doing so but yeah i mean i think this is going to be a long season for the warriors like they have every reason to be worried about their their trajectory this season but that's probably only going to behoove them in future seasons so you know big picture not worried at all this season yeah they're not making the playoffs i would agree with that and it's 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 going to be weird having a playoffs without golden state and but even so, I'm kind of looking forward to it as well. Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Let's hit on two other Western Conference teams that entered the season with relatively high expectations. Sacramento Kings. They win mm. 39 games last year. They bring in Dwayne Dedman, Corey Joseph, Trevor Ariza this offseason. You think, okay, these are going to be the veterans that bring them over the top and bring them back into the playoff race. They start the season 0-5 before beating Utah by one point and then pounding the Knicks because they're the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how good to describe. But, I mean, they have a, the fourth worst net rating in the league right now. And here's what concerns me about the Kings. 26th in pace at 99.9 possessions per 48 minutes. I know head coach Luke Walton has said that he plans to speed them up, but until he does it, I'm worried because that's how this team is supposed to play. Yeah. Further concerning is our colleague over at Forbes, Sean Devaney, mm-hmm. who also writes for Heavy.com, and I don't remember whether it was on Forbes or Heavy he wrote this piece. I think it was Forbes, yeah. It was at Forbes yeah. in regards to the Kings. Mm-hmm. I mean – Apparently, their free free agent acquisitions, they are already considering shipping those out. <laughs> Seven games into the season. Um, Dwayne Dedman, I'm still not concerned about Dedman, even though he's been horrible. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's been seven games, but Deadman just has such a stellar track record, and he's such a high level professional. I, mm-hmm. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that he was he should be you know a bad player for the remainder of the season. It just seems so illogical to me that that should be the case. Right. Now, Corey Joseph, on the other hand, that's oh, yeah. one I can buy. I mean, yeah. I can buy that he's just not going to get better, and Trevor Ariza is older than dirt. So <laughs> that's not great. And I would also add Harrison Barnes as one of those free agent acquisitions in a way. Just free agent retainee, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he's also not delivering, especially when you consider his contract. So, again, I, I realize that this is the the drum that I'm banging every single time we talk about the Kings. But when you spend money poorly in that sense and you feel obligated to play those players because of their contracts, the product is ultimately going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't understand what they're doing. They did not empower De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heal as they should. I, what are they doing? Deadman, I think, is interesting because... You know, every team, we, we joked about this guy to get a free agency. You know, every team was going after him as, like, the ideal backup center. Right. And I'm wondering if that is just the role he was meant to play. But the Kings, because they paid him so much, felt obligated, as you've mentioned, to start him. I don't think Dwayne Dedman should be a starting center in the NBA. I think he is, like, I think he is a perfect backup center. But I don't think, especially, I mean... I just don't know I I don't know if it's the players or the coach who's leading to the slowdown in pace. But I think, you know, Rashawn Holmes has started the last three games for them. He's just younger, springier, bouncier, faster. He fits that type of play or that style of play more than Deadman does. So I think, you know, now the Kings have suddenly been more competitive since shaking up their starting lineup. We'll see what happens. They have Tor- at Toronto tonight and at Atlanta on Friday. So two pretty tough games, even without John Collins in Atlanta. You know, it's going to be tough for them. It's just the West. It's like if you have a five-game losing streak at any point, you've got to make up ground quickly because otherwise you're going to fall out of the race really fast. So, oh yeah, this is the Hunger Games. Yeah, the Western Conference is completely the Hunger Games, and there's <laughs> there's there is nothing you can do if you, if you have a bad stretch, you're out. Right. I mean, I, I at this point would be downright surprised if the Kings make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I would they didn't too. they didn't last year when they had an, like an upswing. So why this year? Right. I and I like I get it. This might come off as hot takey because it's only two weeks into the season, but. You know, now at least we're starting to get a somewhat more meaningful sample size. Like seven games is at least more than three or four, like we had last week. And it, I, it, I love the way you just explained basic math there, Brian. Well, you know, <laughs> just I just want to make it clear that, like, look, of course they could come back and beat Toronto today and beat Atlanta right. on Friday, and they're going to allay a lot of the concerns that we're raising here. But as of now, I mean, it's just. Based on what we've seen so far, I think there is reason for genuine concern in Sacramento. And I wonder what the consequences will be if they, you know, if they lose these next two. And then they have Portland, Lakers, Celtics, Suns, who have been good. You know, the the next six games, you could easily see them going one of five, two of four at best. 
So what happens when they're four and nine two weeks yeah. from now? Yeah. You know, it's like the Kings are not known for their patience. This is the franchise that fired Mike Malone because DeMarcus Cousins got sick for two weeks. <laughs> that I'm not kidding. That's exactly no, you're what not. happened. You are certainly not. And they hired George Carl despite knowing that he was certainly not an NBA coach anymore. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit, I'm hovering over the panic button if I'm the Kings. Um, yeah, I, I just think ultimately, despite, you know, us being high on the Kings, you know, I, I think there's a difference in being high on an organization and being high on the roster. Right. I think the roster and the coaching staff last year, they they found a chemistry or a, find a balance or something that just worked. Yeah. But I don't think that was – a lot of people said, oh, they finally got it right. Mm-hmm. Well, Sure. For for a while, at least, and then they made a coaching change. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then they made a whole different, a whole slew of free agent acquisition that didn't make sense. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to ownership and management. Like, if I don't have faith in them fixing anything, yeah, I have faith in in, in a, some parts of the roster. I, I De'Aaron Fox, I think, is going to be an absolute stud for the next ten years, and I think if they give him, um, if they empower him more. Mm-hmm. They could actually go somewhere. I just have no faith in them doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree there. The other team in the West that entered the season with high expectations and then, unfortunately, injuries affected them uh, early on. The New Orleans Pelicans, who have gotten off to a one and six start, obviously no Zion Williamson. Uh, he's as far as we've heard, he's out six to eight weeks. I believe was the timetable, mm-hmm. but like every you know like. Sean Straya reported he's like attacking his rehab aggressively. So hopefully we see him in the next couple weeks, but nothing definitive yet. Derek Favors has also missed four or three games for them so far, and Drew Holiday missed two games as well. You know, Drew and JJ Redick both shooting under forty percent from the field, which is obviously not great, especially when David Griffin said the former could be an MVP candidate this year. It's not. <laughs> Not quite the start to the MVP race that you would like. Um, how concerned did you, did you, are you just mispronounce Brendan Ingram? <laughs> well, I didn't say MIP race. I said MVP race. <laughs> well, I mean, right now Brendan Ingram is closer to MVP than Drew Holiday. Well, I know, I know. So, I mean, that is the bright spot for the Pelicans. Is Brandon Ingram is looking like the star that you know the Lakers hoped he was when they drafted him second overall in 2016, but. Other than that, uh, how worried are you about the Pelicans, Mort? Well, see, this is the thing. I actually went into this season just saying, screw the wins. Yeah. I didn't care. Um, so I'm not worried. I'm not worried whatsoever. I'm, I'm looking at the progression of these players. I'm looking at Josh Hart grabbing 7.6 rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Brandon Ingram putting up like 26-7-4 and four and shooting 49 from three. I know a lot of this isn't sustainable, but it's it signifies growth. I'm looking at Lonzo Ball hitting almost 39% of his threes. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this progression, and on one side of my face, I'm laughing at the Lakers. That's besides the point. Um, on a different level, I'm just saying, hey, look, this progress is ultimately going to lead to a better place for the Pelicans. And with no Sion Williamson and with them just spending a year getting you know acquainted to one another and acclimated to the league and all that... 
like I just I'm looking for three years down the road. I'm not looking at this year. Screw yeah. this year. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. Especially when once Zion went down that early, the worst thing that could happen is you rush him back and then he aggravates the injury or suffers another injury because he came back too early and like right. didn't fully heal from this one. So as they lose more games, I mean, you could look at it one of two ways. Maybe he feels pressure to come back early to help them snap the skid. But, you know, if they continue skidding and he's nowhere near a return, then at a certain point you're just going to say, like, look, man, the playoffs are not realistic this year. Take your time. Let's not, you know, like, let's make sure you don't make this worse than it already is. Right. So... Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think just especially the strides that Ingram has made, like it's not good news if you were hoping to keep him for less than a max deal because especially given the class, the free agent class next summer, how mediocre it is, some team is going to throw money into Brandon Ingram if he keeps this up. Yeah. I I, th- I do think that um, the blood cloth issues will scared teams off of like forcing or of you know of offering him like a straight up max yeah or like a max without injury protections that's exactly what i'm alluding to yeah 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 i mean you would have to be enormously irresponsible oh the knicks mm-hmm. yep yep they are they are out there i know that that joke gets old but i still love doing it no it's yep. it's i mean look at the knicks look at the current state of the knicks let me just point that the general vicinity of the Knicks as a reminder of how how their best laid plans can go awry very quickly. Well, I'm 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 confused though, Brian, because Knicks fans on Twitter before the start of the season told me that there was there wasn't going to be a minutes clash and no, this man. was going to all going to be fine. Right? Yeah, this is going to work out. I'm sure have, employing a team of mercenaries, who yes, you know, are not loyal to you, and vice versa. Yeah, it's going to be great. They're like a Netflix Netflix production, really. And <laughs> you think about it, I I want like a Netflix series on the 2019-2020 Knicks. Yeah. Oh man, like a behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. With actors, with oh, actors just oh, acting oh. the whole thing out, just with the drama, like a drama series uh, with a Netflix product, product and 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 budget, like because you have this young kid R.J. Barrett like coming in. Averaging forty nine thousand minutes a game, right? And just jacking up shots. You have Marcus Morris, who, do, who people are like making jokes about. Hey, get Marcus Morris more help, and he was yes. considered an afterthought. You have Julius Randle. Everyone was like, he's going to average twenty five and twelve, including me. My, my, my dumbass even said that, and he's just like at thirteen and ten. Yeah, like everything is just yeah. It's definitely not coming up Millhouse. Is what I'm saying. No, no, and a total surprise signing fourteen power forwards was not a good strategy when yeah. you already Who had knew? a couple on the roster. And, I, I I, mean, if you want to limit Mitchell Robinson to 19 minutes a game, hey, right. go right ahead. That makes complete sense. It's not like he's your best player or anything. No. <laughs> right, right, no. yeah. Yeah, I mean, should the Knicks be worried? Yes, because they're stupid. And they're, like, <laughs> this is... <laughs> And this was always going to happen. Like, this was so... Much like Jabari Parker at Chicago a couple years ago. It was like... It was so obviously going to go poorly that it's not even a surprise. It's just like, 
this is what was expected. Should they be yep. worried? Sure. If they thought this was actually going to work out, but like we assumed going into the season, their whole strategy was just like play the veterans, boost their value. I mean, the good thing is look at Portland. All of a sudden Portland needs a power forward and who has 15 power forwards. So yep. like th- totally there's a sense. trade there. Hey, do you want Mario Hisonia back? He played great with you last season. Remember when he swatted LeBron? There you right. go. Right yeah. here, just take Kent Bazemore in a second round pick. Just give me. We don't even care which power forward you give us. Just give us yeah. one of them. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. I, I know you made a joke, but you're absolutely right in terms of there is reason to be concerned or worried if you're a dumbass franchise. Right. Yeah. If, if you thought this was going to work, then yes, you should be concerned. But not concerned about the roster, concerned about your front office and their vision for right. how this was going to work because it was yeah. clearly. Like, it was just so obvious to anyone who's watched basketball that, like, just assembling talent doesn't mean it's going to work out if that talent is all ill-fitting and plays the same position. Who knew? Yeah. Total, well, total surprise. Everyone, I guess, <laughs> with, outside of the Knicks, which, is, which, again, is just, that's just the Knicks in a nutshell, really. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's stay in the East, though, Mort, and hit two teams that <laughs> at least enter the season with higher expectations than what they've done so far. Let's start with the Orlando Magic before I let you go off on the Bulls. Because the Magic are 2-5 and five mm. and have the worst offensive rating in the league. And not only do they have the worst offensive rating in the league, they're at 95.3 points per 100 possessions. The next worst team, the Memphis Grizzlies, are at 97.1. 28th place, the New York Knicks, 99.6. So the Magic are so anemic offensively that they are 4.3 points per 100 possessions worse than the New York Knicks. Now they when do... I, oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, when I look at their collective like team stat line, I immediately get flashbacks to like the the start double zeros. Like, just <laughs> in, the, in the Shaq Kobe era yeah. for bad teams. Like, yeah. 93 points a game. Yeah. Shooting 27% from three. Yeah. Like, no ball movement whatsoever. 20.4 assists. It's just like, it's so bad. I mean, their saving grace is their defense. They're ranked fifth in the league defensively, mm-hmm. 100.1 points per 100 possessions. So, you know, they're actually, they're only 22nd in terms of net rating, minus 4.8, but still ahead of 
I mean, no one good, but <laughs> ahead of the Pistons, Bulls, Hornets, Cavs, Kings, Warriors, Knicks, and Grizzlies. So, you know, that was their recipe last year was just great defense, mediocre offense. But this year it is great defense, worst offense in the league. So what can they do? They moved Markel Fultz into the starting lineup already. Are there any other tweaks they can make to somehow score the ball at a relatively reasonable rate? Yeah. Um, blow it up and wait three years and get it right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just... I mean, the Aaron Gordon trade feels more inevitable than ever. I know we've been pushing for it for years, but yeah. it's just... like I, I just don't see a way out for the... I mean, especially, like, bringing in Aminu... It was a, a similar deal, like low-key, a similar deal to what the Knicks had. It was just like, you already have a front court log jam, and you're bringing in another power forward? Yeah. like Well, maybe that, they did it because they knew that an Aaron Gordon trade would be happening later on in the year. Yeah, and I hope that's the case. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like, they have Fultz and DJ Augustine, and then like... Evan Fournier. I mean, that they really just don't have guys who can create for themselves and others. I would say Fultz is really their best hope in that regard. But like, you know, DJ Augustine right now is leading this team in assists with four point oh a game. This is like the <laughs> Sheldon Matchy consistently. Yeah, Sheldon like, Mack. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Like we're we're headed down that path again. What was the number? It was like three point nine assists. Oh, so sad. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was below four. I, I, it was so good. I, yeah. I just remember all the comments for that tweet. That poor Orlando Magic social media manager must have just been like, "What the hell did I oh, just yeah. do?" Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, I don't even remember what season it was, but yeah, it was. Uh, oh no! Here I think it was uh, three point nine two years yep. ago. No. Yep, there we go. So oh. they're ahead of pace. They are zero point one assists ahead of their pace from that year. But oh god, yeah, I, I'm I'm worried about the magic. I mean, again, their defense is great. Jonathan Isaac is looking good on that end of the floor, at mm. least. Um, yep. You know, two point six blocks and one point three steals per game. That's phenomenal he hasn't taken the step forward offensively that you would like to see still only averaging 10.9 points shooting 41.9 from the from the field but he is knocking down 35.7 percent of his threes so that's a good sign just like they need they just gotta trade aaron gordon they gotta trade aaron gordon and here's the thing you just talked about jonathan isaac's offense Mm -hmm. when you are in your third year You've played almost 3,000 NBA minutes, and you still are not really pushing the envelope offensively to the point where you look like a consistent factor on that end of the floor. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be one. Yeah. Like, we're not going to wake up one day and Jonathan Isaac is going to aver- be averaging like 25 points a game. This is not going to be a Brandon Ingram evolution. Yeah. Right. No, so, yeah. Like, you have to figure out what is he. Right. What type of, is he going to be like a an elite defensive player who's going to be like a spot offensive player like he can hit some threes and he'll have some open dunks and that's about it in mm-hmm. which case you can't build around him because that's just going to be too weak a centerpiece. Yeah. I just yeah. I don't 
know what they're up to. I unlike the Kings, like I don't like the Kings as an organization. Like the front office, I think is just abysmal ownership as well. Like the Magic aren't a hell of a lot better, but I probably feel a little bit more confident with them moving forward than I do the Kings because Kings, right? Um, but unlike unlike the Kings, where I actually like some of the roster. <laughs> I don't like anything really about the Magic roster. There's nothing on it where maybe outside of Isaac, who's such a good defender that you kind of say, "Oh, that's that's a keeper right there." Yeah. Like who else is a keeper? Like I would trade Vooch. I would trade Aaron Gordon. I would trade Evan Fournier, mm-hmm. G.J. Augustine, Amino, even Folds, Ross, Birch, Bamba, Carter Williams. I there's no no one there who's downright untouchable. Unlike the Kings, where you at least have a De'Aaron Fox. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely not an untouchable on the roster. I mean, Isaac no, but even, is, not, not even a pseudo untouchable. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be willing to move a lot of those. I mean, Isaac, you would have to blow me away. Um, yeah, no, no I, I agree with that. He's he's got the highest trade value. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, otherwise, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. <laughs> like and Mo Bamba, like when he came in last year, it was all about oh he's the smartest. Uh, young, you know, man we've ever talked to and heard about. Like he's so brilliant. Like he, there's no way he can fail. There's no way he can be a bust. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a bust. He's in his second year. He's played 53 total NBA games. He's not a bust. Sure. But we have not seen anything that remotely suggests that he is going to be this long-term superstar center that some people painted him as. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. He definitely has a long way to go, but again, that comes back to the, the logjam. Like, we're just not yeah. going to get to see enough of him, and I think they're load managing him at least to start the year, from what I've seen, uh, just because he was so injury plagued last year. So that might be part of it, but you know, he's never going to get a full opportunity if Vucevic is still there. So at a certain point, you need to choose one or the other, and maybe they're not at that point yet. I mean. I think they just wanted to build on the good vibes from last season and hope that Markel could be a difference maker for them. You know, be that kind of X factor that brings their offense up to, again, I don't think they ever thought they'd have a top 10 offense, but I think they wanted better than dead last in the league, like 20th or even league average with their defense gets them back into the playoffs. But right now their offense is just so anemic that, you know, it's it's not going to happen unless they figure out some way to generate more something. I mean, Vooch has been, you know, only 40.7% from yeah. the field, 19% from three-point range. It's a big step back from where he was last year. I mean, I'd tell you if I was a general manager, if I had a player entering a contract year or, or playing as he did last year in a contract year. Yeah. I would trade high. A career year on a contract year? Yeah. I, yeah. I would I would trade high. Uh, I mean, last deadline, I would have traded his ass. The, I, the same, you could argue, applies to Andre Drummond right now in Detroit. Well, here's the thing. Drummond, after all, has a healthier track record mm, of yeah. stability and consistency than Vooch. And that matters. Yeah. Now, I agree. Like, just for... <laughs> I'm just going to read this stat because you you brought up Drummond. I've been very, very intrigued by Drummond this year. Yeah. The dude is averaging 21.3 
points per game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for the big stat. Oh, 2.5 assists, 1.8 steals, 2.5 blocks. So already, right there, those are impressive numbers. Yeah. But here's the big one. 19.4 rebounds of all game. There yeah. is a legit chance that Andre Drummond is going to end this season, potentially, if he keeps this up, averaging 20 and 20. He, like, let's just... Let's he's just wrap our heads up. around that. Yeah, he he's not gonna. He, there's no way. But well, you know what? You know what? We said we said that about Russell Westbrook and the triple double as well. A yeah, couple but of like, years before he did, it. we said that's never gonna be broken. Never. Like, no one's ever back. gonna average a triple double. Blake's gonna come back and take takes his so away. I actually said that on Twitter, and Pistons fans added me a lot and said, you know what? I don't think so. Blake is not really that dude anymore. He's not a great rebounder anymore. Like, he's he's actually just going to let Drummond take it. So, that's... I don't know. I mean, maybe. If it's like the Steven Adams-Russell Westbrook dynamic, I guess. But Yeah, and if that's the case, that let lessens the romanticism of this a little bit. Right. No, I, your point stands. He's, like, he's very clearly going to win the rebounding title again. He's, you know, he's led the league in rebounds three of the last four years. And what he's doing early this season is better than anything he's done in years past. Like he's playing out of his mind. But that that again, that you know, he's he's also come into the season and said, like, hashtag contract year Dre is a thing. So Yeah. No, and and I get it. Um I it's fair. I mean, look, he he's I think he's just the type of dude who is fighting against the whole anti-big wave that is flushing yeah, over the league. Um, sure. Because, look, there's no denying that he's extremely talented and extremely yeah. influential. Like, a guy who's averaging those numbers and doing the work that he does, that is objectively a good player. It's just the weird-ass state of the league where that apparently does not matter. Like, you can be <laughs> as good as a big you can even be, but, hey, if you're over 6'10", you're almost, like, just an afterthought. Right. Um and it's it sucks. By the way, while while briefly on the Pistons, Brian, I just have to ask, who's the second best forward on the Pistons right now? <laughs> Are you really going to say Christian Wood? Dude, don't fight me on this. Look at that team right now. Look at the production of the forwards and tell me he's not actually right now because Blake is not on the like he's he hasn't played. Who's the best forward on the Pistons right now? <laughs> it's like a nod contest. They're just the the answer is zero. There is, there is not a good form. Oh, you are fighting this way too hard. All right, fair enough. I'll, I'm going to give it a couple more weeks then. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, he's, he's been good, but, like, he's this is... There are analogies that I could make that would get me in a lot of trouble. So I'm going <laughs> to steer away. And instead, speed into your Chicago Bulls, Mort. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. 
Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. What? I watched them last night because they were playing the Lakers. They were not tripping over their own dicks for three quarters, which was a pleasant <laughs> surprise. And then the fourth quarter started. Yeah. And they get outscored 38-19. to 19. Yep. Lose the game. Afterward, Jim Boylan has asked about his rotation pattern. And he's like, you know what? We're growing a bench here in Chicago. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't regret anything. It's just what yeah. we're going to do. We're growing a bench. i got 15 players to develop. That's how it is. Yep. Zach Levine came out. It was like kind of at least sent some shade toward the rotations. Mm-hmm. Where's the panic meter for the Bulls? So that's that comes back again to the whole Sacramento and Orlando thing. Like mm-hmm. I like certain parts of the roster. Mm-hmm. I don't like the coaching staff. I sure. don't like management. Mm-hmm. I don't like ownership. I think the organizational structure is it's just too far gone at this point. Like yeah. even 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 the uh, the Wizards fired Ernie Grunfeld after 15 years. Mm-hmm. Like even the Wizards realized, "Oh, it it might be time for a change." <laughs> and look, from everything I know, the Bulls are just not ever going to fire guardbacks. Right. Um it's those are lifetime contracts. Literally lifetime lifetime contract there's there's words around like there's a word going around that that paxson once tried to quit wasn't allowed to um more or less they just kept (laughs) throwing money at him i suppose sure Uh, and that remains to be true to this day the ultimately management talks about accountability all the time while providing nothing of it on their own accord Uh uh-huh and that's just typical and that's the good old bull, so to speak. I'm not surprised by this. I'm not upset by this because I know what they are. This is why I distanced myself for the bulls. I, I'm still interested in their prospects and interested in their season because I followed them for 22 years. Mm-hmm. And I have a kid who loves them, and I'm very invested in, in, in basically just seeing them because they're a big market team. And I think when the bulls are good, that's a good thing for the NBA. Sure. Same goes with the Knicks. Honestly, I, I, I want those two franchises to get better. Mm-hmm. But when you look at ownership and when you look at management of those two teams, like you just sigh very, very heavily and realize that it's going to take years before anything can change. Like you can yeah. acquire a good roster, but the organizational failure, constant failure will continue to put a ceiling or a hard cap on the potential of those squads. The Bulls yeah. are no different. The fact that they you know, earn as much money as they do and operate as if they're a lower market team is also devastatingly disappointing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what they're trying to do at this point if they don't want to invest in you know, the young talent that they have. Like, hey, let's sure. grow a bench. Like, no, just don't. I mean, Jim Boylan is not a coach who I think should be in the NBA. It's at least not as a head coach. If if you provide some sort of assets to like to a coaching staff as an assistant, fine. But he should not be running a team. And he yeah. certainly should never be in front of a microphone because everything he says is just so incredibly dumb. <laughs> I'm at that point where I right now I think Laurie Markinen is injured. I don't mm-hmm. think it's being reported. I don't think it's being talked to, but he's moving very gingerly. Mm-hmm. 
uh, he seems like it, it, to me it seems like it back. Um, he, he there's a reason he just camps outside the three point line, and when he runs back, he more or less jocks. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should be playing right now. I think there's something with his back, and I don't understand why they keep throttling him out there. Otto Porter has some hip issues. It seems like yeah. um, again something through the grapevine. Like he's just not where he needs to be physically. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that because the Bulls mentioned the playoffs and in like the preseason context, I think they kind of painted themselves into a corner and now they're pushing guys out who shouldn't be playing. Yeah. Because they are desperate desperate for wins and the team is not delivering. Zach Levine looks like the exact same player as last year, which is very paradoxical because he looked way better in preseason. Like his mm-hmm. shot profile and shot selection preseason was worlds ahead of what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the lone bright spot is Wendell Carter Jr., who's been looking fantastic recently. Outside of not being able to hit his free throws, he's just in a slump from the line. Right. He's been great around the basket and defending and rebounding. Like he's he's living up to the hype. Like yeah, he's sure. as good as advertised. Kobe White is just hot or cold. I still think there's a lot of potential there. He's 19 year olds for crying out loud. So that's. I mean, at this point, he's just a scorer and nothing nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then you just have a bunch of people who can swing so wildly in production. And I think I think for them to make the playoffs, because this is after this is after all still in the East, they need to have at least a month or two where basically every star on the team aligns. Like every single role player has to hit his shots and make the proper reads and make the right defensive rotations. Like every just has to fall in line. Right. I question whether Jim Boylan is capable of presenting a scenario wherein that proves possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So you think there's probably no way out of this unless something changes up top. Like, it's not necessarily the roster. It's everything above. Well, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying that the roster is, is flawless here by any stretch. Sure. Um, look, again... The Lori's back issues. That's again. That that is just speculation. A lot of people are speculating on that, myself included, because he just looks very unlike himself. Mm-hmm. So that's an unknown factor. The same with Porter and his hip. But those are two major things, right? Like those are two of the three primary players, at least presumed primary players, coming into this season. Mm-hmm. So those are th- those have great you know variables in that sense. Yeah. Thomas Satoransky. He was great in Washington. He's he's done well in Chicago in terms of moving the ball, but he's way too passive. Like a lot of people thought that the way he played for the Czech Republic in in the in the, the World Cup was going to be a sign of what's to come, and it really hasn't been. He's been very very passive, sitting back and not taking a whole lot of shots, and and just being way too passive. Again, that's that's just him. Chris Dunn is great on defense, but has no business running offense ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, there's just so many one-way players on this team. I think if the Bulls are smart, and if they realize, okay, this is not the roster that we envisioned, there are some issues. What they should do is they should find more players who are in the same mold as Wendell Carter. Like you may not be an elite offensive player, you may also not be a future DPOY player, but you're very, very, very solid in all areas on the floor. You can you can pass, you can shoot. You can rebound. You can score a little bit. You can defend. They need two-way players. They are, there is not a lot of two-way talent on this team. 
Mm. And going back to the Kings for a while, I think part of that is also the problem. Like, they have De'Aaron Fox, who's a great two-way point guard. Mm -hmm. And they have Buddy Heald, who's a one-way shooter. Uh, Look, I I love Buddy Heald. I think what he provides offensively is more than what you could look at in the stat sheet because the way that he shoots the ball opens up the court for everyone. Mm -hmm. But defensively, he's a minus. Then you look at Harrison Barnes, not much better. You know... um, Backley is also not Marvin Backley is like a great offensive player, good rebounder. Defensively, he'll definitely be inconsistent on that level. I just think for great teams, you know, when you look at the great teams and and teams who aspire to be great, they find players who can play both sides of the floor. Yeah, like that's also why I'm kind of skeptical towards Atlanta's top tier ceiling. Like Trey mm-hmm. Young, I love the dude. Love him. Yes. Like he's eventually he's gonna drop like thirty two points and eleven assists a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's gonna be fantastic. And he's gonna win his direct matchup every single night. Right. He's gonna be the James Harden of point guards. Yeah. Oh. But defensively, yes, it's gonna be a struggle. I, I, Daryl Morey is consistently confused about why like <laughs> James Harden is not winning the MVP or why they're not winning championships. Mm-hmm. They don't have defense. Yeah. And that's fair. That's that's what it boils down to. I mean, this roster for the Bulls, there's potential in it, especially offensively. But you need the right guy at the helm. You need organizational structure, and you don't need a damn punch clock when you come into the building. I mean, Tracy McGrady on the jump was like, "What the hell is yeah. this?" Yeah, it's great. I love the punch clock. What a it's like. It's a gimmick, and it's fun. Like we laugh at it because like. It's ridiculous, and we know it's ridiculous. But look at the think about those guys checking, like having to check that thing every single day when they walk oh, into practice. I know, I know. These are grown ass men, and this is becoming a gimmick that everyone on social media laughs at. Yeah. Like, do you think that they carry resentment when they pick up that card and checks it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I also think that are, there are a lot of people inside the Bulls organization who are very frustrated how things are right now. And are looking upwards like, hmm, when is this going to change? Or are just staying quiet? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm... You wa- I know you wanted an explosion. I'm just... I'm just kind of confirming why I stepped away from this team. Yeah, they, they really broke you. I'm pretty... I'm pretty sad. Yeah. No, it's... It's... There's just no... There's just no way they can turn around. They can get a good roster. Yeah. They can make it to the playoffs. Yada, yada, yada. There's no way they ever get over the hump. There's no way they're ever going to you know, create a product that's going to be attractive because ultimately you have no faith in management or right. ownership. Right. And even when they stumble ass backwards into guys like Laurie Markin and Wendell Carter, Kobe White, I mean, I, right. they deserve credit for the Otto Porter trade. Like, I think so too. I mean, Otto Porter is objectively a, a very, very good player. And right yeah. now, what he's producing right now is not – or reporter. I, right, I, I mean, right, I, right, right. look again. The, so, so when I was, I was, we were, I was watching a game and I was tweeting, and I mentioned something about him not moving right. Yeah. And so, his girlfriend actually read that tweet and liked it. Oh. Which I think is interesting hmm. because I kind of pointed out he's not moving well. Yeah. Um, I think that was a pretty big giveaway as well because yeah, I also so. heard from from a lot of other people that you know the hip was the problem. Yeah. But that's that's where it comes down to again. Like, why are he, why is he not sitting? Why right. is Markin not sitting then? Because <laughs> they don't have any wings. 
Well, that, one thing about them not having many wings, but again, it's because they paint themselves into a corner, or not not the roster, but management. Right. Again, with right. with the promises, with the like, they just they keep opening their mouths, and everything they say, it's taken out like it's almost like they Google what not to say, <laughs> and right. then do it, and then when there, there's fan backlash, then they go on the radio and like complain about the fan backlash like right, oh it's, right. this is this is an interrogation no it's because you're absolutely horrible at your job yeah you're absolutely horrible at your job like you made some quality signings this this summer like the and the and the world almost overreacted i did too i was like oh my god the bull signed thaddeus young and thomas Aransky. those are those are actually very decent pickups and luke cornett and luke cornett like yeah. st- like from an advanced metrics perspective those are three very very positive guys and because the bulls just made what most team consider very rudimentary trades or, or sorry signings right that are just logical yeah because they didn't for once sign jabari parker to 20 million a year to play out of position everyone was like oh my god they did something good they did something right. that was actually logical let's put him in the damn playoffs i mean i'm totally at fault for that yeah the bar was so low that when they make relatively reasonable signings, everyone's like, oh, my God, look at them. Right. They're, they're being run well. It's like, well. Exactly. Exactly. Which is completely ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. And right now, you're also seeing how, how you know, it's being used incorrectly. Like, for some reason, Boylan prefers to play Lou Cornette, who's struggled, who's been so, so bad. Mm-hmm. And it's just not giving Daniel Gafford the chance. Gafford, who played well both in preseason and summer league, who's got this athletic ability that they sorely need at this point, he just cannot identify that they need something else sometimes. Like instead of making adjustments on the move, which is something according to himself, he's so great at doing, <laughs> he doesn't do it. Yeah, it is. It is a mockery of what the Bulls stood for. And you know what? This entire spiel I just went on, I could say the exact same thing about the Knicks. Yeah, and I should have, but I just that's that's I just didn't have the the emotional connection to the Knicks that I that I did the Bulls, mm-hmm. but I stand by everything I just said regarding the Bulls and apply it to the Knicks. Yeah, those uh-huh. two franchises and their fan bases deserve so much more. Oh, for they sure. are being handled the just the wrong way, and unfortunately, it starts at ownership. To to quote Danny Danny Larue. Mm-hmm. Like advantage or you know, ownership in sports can be the biggest advantage or disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now I think we'll wrap up just noting like we're not going to talk about Memphis, the Cavs, the Wizards, just because they these teams were expected to be bad. Like, right? I don't think you necessarily need to panic. They're like, oh wow, these very ill-equipped rosters are not going to win many games. Like the the players who need to develop are, and that's really all that matters and i'm just not there for the pacers or the nets yet i mean the pacers have just oladipo is still out miles turner had the sprained ankle he's out as well and even sabonis has missed a couple games now so can we talk about malcolm brockton though he's been phenomenal and i mean Kyrie, same deal like the nets have not started super well but Kyrie has been so good that i'm not not panicking yet about them so i think the teams we mentioned today are the ones where it's like you know, some of them have excuses, Pelicans in particular with the injuries, but like, I think we at least need to revise our preseason expectations for these teams based on what we've mm. seen the first two weeks of the season. Malcolm Rockton is in his fourth NBA season. Mm-hmm. He has yet to miss his 40th free throw. Wow. 
Really? Yeah. That's crazy. He is 363 for 402. Man. He's missed 39 free throws for his career. This year he's missed one. And he's just been such a so much more of a playmaker this year than he has been in years past that yeah i mean that they are they should be very thrilled with early returns on malcolm brogdon's contract if this is a thing this is going to be such a huge talking point about the bucks deciding to let him go and not just that because look we just talked about the bulls there was a lot of chatter about the bulls basically being potentially interested in brogdon but weren't really interested in maybe paying $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. If this is the Brock, I understand, like, based on the averages that he had last year and with the Bucks. Right. But if this is the new Brockton, yeah. like, right or wrong, that's going to be painted on the Bulls as well. Like, well, a lot hey, of teams. look. <laughs> yeah, right. But that was because they were one of the, like, they were constantly mentioned as a suitor. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll get into some surprising starts. Barring any major news, we'll, we'll get into some teams and players who are off to like really good starts because brogdon's in there the hornets at four and three who we all thought were going to be one of the worst teams in the nba surprisingly sheer is shooting over 40 percent from the field are we living in you. a simulation i told you and Devonte graham who we definitely need to go deep on next time also yes. the phoenix suns I, i'm ready to call it they're they're they are legitimately not bad this year Okay, I know we're going way over time here because we're at like an hour and 20 or something like that. But here's I just want to touch on the Sun really quickly because what I said about the Bulls and the Kings and the and and the Knicks it kind of applies to them too. Mm-hmm. They can have I th- I look at them as this year's King squad. Yeah. Like they I do can too. have that blip. Yep. And that's great for a season, but I have no faith in their organizational structure. I have no faith in ownership. I don't think necessarily James Jones has proven enough to to the point where I can sit back and say, oh, okay, I know that you've got this. Yeah, if, if you're a Suns fan, enjoy this season or enjoy this start to the season. Hope it continues, but yeah. be prepared for the other shoe to drop at any yeah. point. I think that's the best way you could say it because like, I've gotten a lot of heat in my mentions from Suns fans who think that I'm rooting against them. Like, no, I I want every team to do well. But I'm also keenly aware that ownership can be such a disaster. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into the Suns more next time. But until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, wherever else podcasts are found on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'm just going to go look at what the the tickets prices for the Bulls games cost now compared to what I paid <laughs> a couple months back. And I'm expecting to weep very soon. Yeah, that's. I would advise you not to do that. Oh, I'm just – I am right now. And I, I apparently could have saved – $15 per ticket. That's uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. That, that's not great, Brian. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Talk soon. 
Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.